Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. How are we doing today? We'll give that a uh, second try. Welcome to church. Glad you're with us today. My mic is on now. Praise God for that. And uh, Man, so excited, so fired up to be jumping into the book of Ephesians today. We're kicking off a new series. Might be a little tough to see on the bottom, but becoming who you were created to be. And that, if you boil it down, if you sort of cut it to the core, that is what the book of Ephesians is about. It's about us growing up into everything that God has called us to be, becoming consistent with who he's created us to be. But before we do that, man, I, I just gotta spend a second celebrating last Sunday because last Sunday we launched something that was so special for our church, um, so encouraging for our team, but we launched an international partnership with Compassion International and specifically with a village in Maranhão, Brazil. And friends, our goal right? The goal was we need to sponsor 200 kids in order to launch this child development center through a local church and a group of pastors down there, okay? That was our goal, 200. Um, I'm excited to share with you that we didn't hit our goal. In fact, we didn't even sponsor 300 kids. We sponsored over 331 kids, which is so awesome. On every level, because now not only do we get to launch the child sponsorship, I mean the child development center, but now even the kids in the surrounding villages are able to come and be a part of this. We have more room, more space to receive more kids. And today is another Sunday where you can sign up, where you can sponsor a child. There are packets out in the lobby. If you're watching online, you can still jump in. And so if we hit that next tier of 400 kids, it's sort of like concentric circles, right? You've got um, everybody right around the village, then the next tier was 300 kids, the next tier is 400 kids, and that's the villages even surrounding that. So we could have a massive impact, and I can't wait for the day that we get to go down there with teams and meet these kids that we're getting to share the gospel with and provide hope to. It's going to be really special. And I, I have to share one more thing about that. I was talking to Paul, who's one of the directors of Compassion, and uh, he was helping all the organizational stuff behind the, the scenes. And he said, uh, he called me afterwards. He said, man, I just, I got to tell you. I was like, what's that? He's like, well, you all, you all just set a new compassion record. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, in terms of percentage of how many people were on campus last week to the number of kids that got sponsored last week, he goes, you literally had the highest percentage of sponsorships in the history of Compassion from one church. So friends, give yourselves a round of applause. And where we're at right now, we as a church, you as a church, we are going to be literally sponsoring kids to the tune of $140,000 a year through your generosity. That is going to massively change some lives. So thank you for being a generous church. Thank you so much for jumping in with us and being a part of this. Fires me up. I love it. Okay, let's jump into the book of Ephesians. Um, I was doing a little research, a little digging this week, and I'm going to open today by way of illustration, and I was, uh, I was looking um, 
around some details with Amazon.com because I've been listening. Maybe you've listened to it on Audible or maybe you've read the book. There's sort of a, uh, you know, a biography slash documentary type book on Jeff Bezos and the whole history of Amazon. And I was looking up some stats on Amazon and different things, and I found this out. This was interesting to me. Um, in 2021, according to the Fortune Global 500, so this is still pandemic shutdown reality, right? Walmart is the world's largest company by revenue. Walmart is still beating Amazon by revenue. Walmart's not worth as much as Amazon due to overhead and different things, but Walmart's still crushing it, okay? 579 billion a year in revenue. That is insane, okay? Amazon is in second at 386 billion a year. So for as much as the world is moving online and even you know, the reality of things being shut down accelerated that, Walmart is still bringing in a lot of money. Now, but here's what's interesting. I was reading uh, the book, I was listening to the book, sorry, on Audible, and there was this quote, said this, Amazon.com started off delivering books through the mail. But Jeff Bezos wanted Amazon to become the everything store. Unbelievable. Offering limitless selection and seductive and seductive convenience at disruptively low prices. I'd say they pretty much accomplished that, right? I mean, you can get almost anything on Amazon. I don't know, I don't know if you've done any like searching for random stuff. You can get food on there. I I came across an article that was talking about some of the more fringe items on Amazon. So if you've been looking for these now, you know you can actually get these things on Amazon as well. Number one, a uh, finger squirrel. <laughs> that, that's just, that creeps, every time I look at it, it just creeps me out. Uh, a Danny DeVito flip pillow. Or I don't know, maybe a Nicolas Cage flip pillow. Let's go. Um, an Idaho potato with your head printed on it. I feel like we're getting some white, uh, white elephant Christmas gift ideas. Uh, this was just delicious to me. French baguette slippers. I don't know, in case you're hungry at the end of a long day and you got your slippers on and you just need, you know, a little snack. And, uh, you know, men, I know... Um, you know, if you, if you want to spice up your marriage, I really do believe this next item is going to help a ton. Um, it's just going to bring your desirability up to the next level. Um, bacon soap. Let's go for some bacon soap. Irresistible. <laughs> All the women were like, gross. Who doesn't love bacon? Here's the deal, at some level, all the top companies in the world, all the trillion dollar companies are trying to sell you slightly different versions of the same big idea. They're trying to sell you different versions of the same thing. This idea, we have everything you want. We have everything you need. You see, Apple sold the world what they didn't even know they wanted yet. And then they saw it and they're like, I want that. I need that, right? That's what I need for happiness. Tesla isn't just selling electric cars, they're selling status and identity. Amazon says we've got everything you need. We are the everything store. And at some level, these organizations, these companies, marketing in general is tapping into something below the surface of the human heart. 
They're tapping into the deepest desires of the human heart. You see, we're all asking the question of somebody or something or someplace, do you have what I need? Do you have what I want? Can you provide me the image that I want? Can you provide me the material things that I need? Can you provide me with the stuff that will give me purpose and make me happy? Can you offer it to me? Can you provide me with the things that will give me some sense of identity? And friends, all of us are trying to fill this blank in our lives one way or another. All of us do fill this blank one way or another. I am blank. Who are you? What's your identity? I am something. We fill it with, I am rich. I am poor. I am young. I am old. I'm an American, or fill in your nationality. I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat an independent, a libertarian, I'm a teacher, I'm a businessman, I'm a businesswoman, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a firefighter, I am a police officer, I'm a banker, I'm a real estate agent, pick your career. I'm a father, I'm a mother, I'm a son or a daughter, I am divorced, I'm desirable, I'm married, I'm undesirable, I'm single, I'm a failure, I'm a positive person, I'm depressed. We're all trying to fill in this blank and oftentimes every day the blank gets filled in by something else in our own lives, these realities that we're all walking through in our own life and what Ephesians is addressing, especially in chapter one, which we're gonna get into today is what's your identity? Who are you, really, at the core of who you are? What is your primary identity? And Paul, he is, he is moved through this letter to the church in Ephesus. He is trying to move these young Christians from the place of identity and from the place of new young faith to maturity in their faith. And he goes, if we're gonna get you to where Jesus wants you to be, if you're gonna become all that God created you to be, if you're going to step into the fullness of who God created you to be, we've got to start with who you are. And friends, what Paul is saying here in chapter 1 is this. He's asking a question, do you know who you are? Do you have any idea who you are? And do you know what he's done? Because if you know what he's done for you, then you know who you are. You know how valuable you are. You know your identity, some sense of the reality of your identity. So he's answering these questions, or he's helping the Ephesians answer these questions. Do you know who you are, and do you know what he's done for you? And friends, that is what chapter 1 is all about. And so we're going to begin to dive into this verse by verse. And I want us to look at these, a few certain phrases together so we can see this. So if you got a, you, a Bible, you can open it to Ephesians 1. I want to encourage you, um, if you got a journal, bring it. It'll be helpful as you think through this entire book as a whole. If you got a phone, pull it out. But we're also going to go through it on the screen, so I'll try, try and give us all the options we need. But here's the first thing, starting in verse 3, okay? So the, the first two verses of Ephesians 1, it's just the introduction. Paul's saying, hey, it's me, Paul. He's actually writing from prison. We'll get to that in a minute. And he says, um, I've been called by God. I'm an apostle, and I'm writing to you, church in Ephesus. So it's sort of author, audience. Those are the first two verses. But then he dives right in, and I love it. He's like, 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He dives in with praise. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Do you guys know who you are? Do you know what he's done? Paul's like, I'm about to show you. So hang on. Buckle up. He goes for it. He says, Praise, uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, ready, in Christ. This is going to be a recurring theme. With, what does he bless us with in Christ? So we're blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's a massive statement. Everything you need, way beyond the everything store, everything you actually need, everything that actually matters for eternity is yours. How do you get it? Where'd you get it from? One simple spot, one place only in Christ, in Jesus Christ. It says this, even as he chose us, right? He chose us, how did he choose us? Again, in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world. He thought of you. He chose you. If you've ever felt neglected, if you've ever felt overlooked, you're not overlooked by God. He chose you. He goes on, he chose us that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to his family. How? How did he do that? Through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us. How? In the beloved. The beloved is just another word for Jesus Christ. So he's saying, in love, through Jesus Christ, in the beloved, right? What do we get through Jesus? What do we get in Christ? We are adopted into his family. There's an adoption reality into the family of God. We get grace. We get blessed. There's all these things that we long for and want deep in the human heart, and there's only one doorway to get there in Christ, through Christ, in the beloved. He goes on, says it again. It's almost getting redundant at this point, right? In him, in who? In Jesus. Paul is so Christ-centered here. In him, we have what? We have redemption through his blood. I'm gonna circle it in green. I'm trying to make a point. Here we go. Through his blood, and then it goes on to the forgiveness of our sins, according again to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. God is not stingy, friends. Amen, somebody. Praise God. He's not stingy with grace. He's not like up there, you know, keeping track, keeping score. And he's like, eh, you know, uh, so-and-so reached their grace allotment for the day. They really blew it today. You know, X didn't quite make it to the end of the day. He's overly abundant, lavishing grace. How? Why? How can he do that? Through the blood of Jesus. Through Christ. In Christ. Says this, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth, how? In, say it with me, in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. This is such an unbelievably dense portion of the Bible, but I want us to see one thing. I know you're not going to be able to read this. I, know, I did this on purpose. Um, the point is this. 
Everything in red refers to in Christ. In Christ, in him, through Jesus Christ. Uh, in the beloved, in him, through his blood. In Christ, in him, right? That's the doorway. That's the doorway, okay? And what is it the doorway to? It's the doorway to everything in the green. Everything that you want, everything that you're made for and designed for. So Jesus Christ is the doorway to blessing with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What does that mean? What's the reality of heaven right now? Just think about that. What's happening in heaven? Is there any sickness? Is there any death? Any sorrow? Is there any conflict? Is there any um, mourning, pain? None of that. Is there any guilt or shame? None of it. All the reality of what is happening in heaven, perfect relationship with God, perfect joy, perfect love, perfect happiness, perfect security, it's already yours. How? In Christ. The seeds of that reality are in your soul if you have faith in him. You may not be experiencing all that, but it's there by faith in your heart. In him, you were chosen. In him, you are holy and blameless. That means he sees you through the lens of Jesus, and he looks at you, and he says, you're perfect. You're like, no, I'm not. <laughs> you really looking at me? Yes, I'm looking at you, says the Lord, and I love you, and I delight in you, and I've perfected you, but not on your own. How? How did he perfect you? In him. In Jesus, right? Through Jesus, we're adopted into the family of, of God. We have grace. We have blessing. We have forgiveness. You want wisdom for your life? Jesus is the doorway to wisdom. You want insight for your life? Jesus is the doorway to insight. You want to know his will for your life? Look at Jesus. You want to know his purpose for your life? Look at Jesus. You want to know the plan for the future of all things? Look to Christ. Friends, what Paul is saying is this, and it's so powerful. He says, look, with Jesus you have everything. Without Jesus you have nothing. Everything you want that you were designed for, that you're looking for, that the companies of the earth are trying to sell you on. Jesus goes, I got it all. I got what you really need and what you really want. And, and what Paul is saying is, friends, and he's, he's shattering paradigms right here. He is, he is blowing paradigms out of the water. He's saying, look, it doesn't matter if you're Jewish and you came from the lineage of Abraham. It doesn't matter if you're Roman or anybody who's non-Jewish who was called a Gentile in the Bible. That's you and me, mostly. Jew, Gentile, male, female, bondservant, or free, he goes, it doesn't matter. All that matters is, do you have Jesus? Are you in Jesus? Because if you're in Jesus, you have everything. You have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. You're blessed from beginning to end, from before the foundation of the world to the fullness of time. Did you notice how he said, it's all of it, from the beginning to the end? from the top to the bottom, from the heavenly places to the earth, and everything you long for in between. This is the scope of your salvation. Do you know who you are? Do you know what he's done? Do you know who you are, and do you know what he's done? Everything that is promised to us 
in salvation. Everything that we chase after in life, everything that we look for in life is available to us in Jesus. And here's Paul in prison, in chains, writing this letter. And he's not just kind of writing a stoic letter, you know, in other places he talks about enduring and all these sort of things. He's in prison, and he's, he's writing in such a way that he's blessing God. Praise God, praise God for his glorious grace. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is having a praise party in his prison cell, people. It's hard for me to praise Jesus on a Monday. <laughs> And he's right there because he sees the scope. He sees the fullness of what God has done. And this letter, it's the only letter that he writes in the New Testament that isn't addressing a specific problem with the church. <laughs> it's funny, if you think about it, most of Paul's letters, he's actually addressing something that they're doing wrong. He's like, hey guys, we gotta deal with this. This is a big issue, we gotta fix this. This, is, this isn't what it looks like to follow Jesus, right? And he's, he's laying out what it looks like to follow Jesus, addressing specific problems. But in Ephesians, he's just giving us an overview of what it means to be a Christian, what it looks like to grow up in Christ. And so scholars believe that the book, that this letter of Ephesians was actually one of the foundational documents of the Christian faith that was copied and sent to all the churches. When it came out of this prison cell, they were like, uh, this is important. He's saying a lot of things. He's putting the whole picture together for us. We got to send, they got to hear about this in Colossae. They got to hear about this over in uh, Syria or wherever the churches may have been. That, where all these churches are planted, they got to hear about this. So this letter was believed to be circulated throughout all the churches. And Paul is stressing it so hard. He's saying, look, I don't care where you've come from. I don't care what your background is. I don't care if you're... I don't care about any of it. The only thing at this point that matters is one very simple but real thing. Are you in him? Are you in Christ? Because if you're in Christ, you have everything. If you're not, you have nothing. So it begs the question, Paul, how, how do I, what does that mean? What does it mean to be in Christ? How do I become united with Christ? How does Jesus' life become my own? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. How do I get access to that? What does it look like, Paul? And he's like, well, I'm glad you asked that because he answers it actually in Galatians. And he says it like this. He goes, here's how you get access. Here's what it means to be in Christ. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. Really, Paul? You weren't even there when that happened. So he's gonna unpack this. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Paul, it looks like you're alive right now. It's getting more confusing. You weren't there the day he died, and I'm, you're, I can see you, right? He's saying this to the church in Galatia. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He's saying, I have a new identity. Yeah, outwardly I may be Paul, the apostle, the one actually who persecuted the church. His name was Saul, but that was me, right? but I've been crucified with Christ. I have died to my old self. I have, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. My identity is him. He lives in me and I'm in him. 
We're united, how, Paul, how? And the life I now live in the flesh, so this Paul that you see living right here in the flesh and blood, I live by faith. By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So hold on, Paul, what do you mean? How, how, does he, how does his life become yours? How is it, how is it no longer, you, you know, your identity is now in Christ and not just in who you are. He's like, okay, faith. I simply believe that God loved me and gave his son for me, died for me on the cross, the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, and then rose from the dead so that I could have new life. Friends, are you in him? Can you join with Paul saying, yeah, this is, this is true of me. This is what I believe by faith. Now, there's so many, <laughs> I was looking through this first chapter. There are so many things that I could hit on in terms of the blessings that you receive from salvation. He just goes line by line through so many. But I want to hit on three specifically for us today. And the first one is this idea of adoption. You see, he says in verse five says this it says and we already looked at this but i want to hit it again in love so it's because he loved us because he loved you uh he chose you specifically you he chose you for adoption into his family and again how through jesus christ he says, look, none of the blessings, none of the things that you want come apart from Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Are you in Jesus? That's where it starts. So this idea of adoption, and he says, this was according to the purpose of his will. Now, friends, look, today, in the modern day, adoption is a lot different than it was back in Paul's day. Today, adoption, man, is something that we all, as followers of Jesus, need to think about, pray about, consider, because it's giving a home to children without a home. It's giving a place in the world, it's giving identity in the world to those who've been rejected or need it most. It's a powerful, beautiful calling, this reality of adoption in our world today. But in Paul's day, adoption didn't work like that. You, you typically did not adopt children who were abandoned or neglected. The only reason you would adopt anybody into your family is if you were a wealthy estate owner, a wealthy man, and you had no male heir. So if you had a bunch of daughters, it didn't count because they could not inherit your estate. They couldn't pass your name on to the next generation. And so the daughters did not get to receive any inheritance in that day in the estate of their father. And so the father would have to look around and choose or find somebody that he trusted, maybe a, a faithful bond servant who had worked for him for years, somebody that he could adopt into his family, give him his name, who could then carry his name and run his estate into the next generation. And Paul is absolutely shattering that paradigm. He's saying, no, you don't have to be a successful uh, or a good candidate for adoption in the sense of you don't have to be a man, you don't have to be somebody who is, who's worked for this owner for a long time and you've earned your place there. He goes, none of that's true anymore. He goes, if you wanna be adopted into the family of God, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, Jew or Gentile, bondservant or free, all that matters are in you in, are you in Christ? Jesus, he's the doorway. And it's not just adopted, 
It's adopted as a son or daughter as God of God. The one who made it all, the one who created it all. The beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, you are now son or daughter of the king. Right? I mean, Paul is, he is totally shattering the paradigms in that day, saying he chose you, all of you, all of y'all. If he was from the south, that's what he'd say. I choose all y'all. He's like, will you choose me? I chose you in Christ, through Christ. Will you now choose me in Christ? The invitation is open. There's no qualification. The only qualification is Jesus. It's connected to Jesus. Adoption. The second thing is this, redemption. I want to help us understand this idea of redemption. This is what, they, this is what Paul wrote. We just read this. You know, in him, here we are again, in Jesus, in him, we have redemption. And again, through what? Through his blood. In him, through his blood, the forgiveness. We all need forgiveness according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, so abundant with his grace through the blood of Jesus. But what does the word redeem mean? I'll explain it like this. When I, when I lived in Atlanta, um, my wife and I, we were leading, uh, the, our church had community groups that met all over the city, and one of these community groups met on the west side of the city. We were pretty new to the city of Atlanta, living in the city. We had lived in the burbs before. Living in the city is a whole different ballgame. And I remember we were going that night to, you know, lead a group, maybe three or 400 people that were trying to connect into groups, and we're going to lead the devotional that night, and it's going to be awesome. You know, we're prepped, we're fired up, we're here to do the Lord's work. And I remember just parking on the side of the street outside the venue and walking in and, you know, just getting to connect with people, getting to help people, you know, read the Bible and find authentic friendships and all these great things. We walk outside and there's a, there's a boot on my car. And it's like, hey, your, tar, your car's about to get towed. In fact, it's ba- it might be here, but it's basically towed already. Like, you can't get this. Call the number right here. Show up tomorrow at this time if you want your car back. I'm like, Lord, I'm doing your work down here. Like, give me a break, right? But being in the city is just one of those things. You're like, okay, you learn where to park, where not, where not to park. You figure out where you're going to get towed, where you're not going to get towed. Uh, praise the Lord for that. So the next day, you know, I call the number. I find out where the impound place is. It's on the west side, you know, a few miles from where we lived at the time. And I remember getting an Uber and going there. And I walk in the front doors of this place, got to pay him 350 stinking dollars to get my, my car back. Um, and r- right behind the desk in huge, bold letters, it said, Redemption Towing Center. And I was like, that's not funny, Lord. But that's what redemption is, right? I have to give them money to get what's already mine. I have to buy it back. It's in captivity. My car was enslaved and it was captive. They held it captive. And I had to set it free by buying it back. And here's the best part, right? I had to, you know, give them the money, fill out this huge yellow form, all these sort of things. And once it was all done and they gave me the receipt, they, they had this big stamp and they just stamped it on top and it said, redeemed. I was like, Lord, stop. I get it, okay? Like, I get it, I understand. But that's what redemption is. 
It's God saying, you're mine. You've always been mine. I made you in my image. Yes, you've been enslaved by sin and death, but friends, I'm gonna buy you back. Lord, how are you gonna buy me back? Through my own blood. By giving my life on a cross, I'm gonna redeem you. And I'm gonna start a process of restoration in your life. And you're gonna find freedom. And it's not gonna happen overnight, but you're gonna find it. You're gonna experience what it feels like to be forgiven and free. And yeah, one day you're gonna be totally set free from sin and death through Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can set you free. And we're all gonna serve something. We're all captive to something, whether we like it or not. Usually we're captive to whatever we fill that identity blank in with. If that's our primary identity, if our career is our primary identity, if our status, our bank account, whatever it is, whatever our primary identity is, in practical reality, we're enslaved to that thing because that's what we live for. That's what gets us up in the morning. That's what motivates us. That's what we focus on. And if our identity is anything other than a son or a daughter of God through Jesus Christ, one who's been redeemed by his blood, one who's been fully bought and chosen by God, if our identity is not first defined by him, then we are going to live in bondage to something else. Last thing, I'm closing with this, and the keys can come out for this. That's what he says next. So you've got adoption, you've got redemption, and then you have this reality of uniting of heaven and earth again in him. He set forth this purpose in Christ, verse nine and 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things, on he things in heaven and things on earth. What does that mean? This is the most beautiful promise for the Christian. It's an incredible promise for the Christian. You see, what the Christian understands is this. If you have put your faith in Christ, if you're in him, then the truth is this. The promise of salvation, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms is that, this is what it's saying, is that our spiritual blessings don't just stay spiritual. They will one day become real and physical. Heaven is coming to earth. As it is in heaven, so be it on earth. When Jesus returns, the entire reality of heaven, no sorrow, no mourning, no pain, no sickness, no death, no dying, no wars, no racism, none of it. All of that reality becomes the reality of earth, and you actually get to live into the fullness of who you were made to be. That's what Christians believe. So when Paul says, Guys, do you see where this is going from beginning to end? He's going to unite all things in heaven and earth. He's redeemed you by his blood. He's bought you back, and he's taking you. We know this through him rising from the dead. He's taking you in the fullness of time to become everything he originally intended for you to be. And so how do you know if you're in him? How do you know if it's real for you? Because that's the question Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a famous theologian, said, I used to always sit down with people in my church or people in the community. I'd say, are you a Christian? And some would say, oh, of course, of course I'm saved. I'm a Christian. Great. How do you know? Well, I'm trying real hard to be a good person. Well, how do you know if you're a Christian? Well, I try to get to church like once a month. 
I, I try to read my Bible. I, I don't do it a lot. I pray some. But how do you know if you're a Christian? Because all those things, I mean, that's great, but that's not what it means to be a Christian. Have you put your faith in Jesus? Is, is his life yours? I mean, friends, here's how you know, and I think this is what Paul is saying. Think about this. How does he open it? What was his very first line of Ephesians 1, 3? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise him for his glorious grace. Thank you, God. And the question is this. Here's where he's heading. He's saying, has grace become amazing to you? You might sing the song, but friends, the, de the defining mark of your heart, if you know you're in him, is if you look at what God's done for you, the grace he's given you, and you go, no way, not me. I don't deserve it. I can't believe this is real. Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for his glorious grace that's been given to me, and I don't even deserve it. And friends, has grace become amazing to you? Christianity is not a dead stoic religion that you just agree to in your mind. Has it wrecked your heart? Do you love him for what he's done for you? Oh, I want, I want you to feel the weight of this because Paul, he's, he is pleading with the Ephesians. He's pleading with us today. This is the heart of Christianity is grace precious to you? Not, not how hard are you trying, not how much you've read your Bible, not how nice you've been to somebody. Do you believe his life counts for you? Do you believe you've been completely forgiven by what he's done? It's not about you, it's about what Christ has done for you. And Paul says, that's the start of the whole thing. That's why I'm putting it in chapter one of this letter. Gotta start here. Friends, we're about to take communion together, but I wanna give you a chance right now in this moment. Maybe you've never, maybe you're not in him. Maybe you've never put your faith in Christ. Maybe grace is not amazing to you until, Lord willing, perhaps today. And so if that's you, I just wanna ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads just to give anyone in this room a moment of privacy between them and God to take that step and make that decision. But I wanna invite you to raise your hand right now and I wanna pray with you. If you wanna put your faith in Christ right now, if grace feels amazing to you right now, please lift your hand high and take that step. Thank you. I'm gonna pray. It's gotta be your words, it's gotta be from your heart, but I wanna lead us in a prayer right now. I want you to pray along with me. Begin by just simply saying, thank you, Jesus. In your heart, say to him, thank you for dying on a cross for me. Thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you for buying me back through your blood. Say to him, I believe you died for my sins. In your heart, say to him, I believe you rose to new life. In your heart, say to him, I believe your new life has become mine. Say to him, Lord, I don't have to try anymore. I'm just receiving what you've done for me. Say to him, I trust you with my whole life. 
Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to fill out in the seat back in front of you the next steps card. We'd love to give you a gift, a Bible, some resources to help you on that journey of faith. You can't do it alone. But right now, we're gonna close our time with communion, just remembering what Jesus has done for us on the cross, knowing the bread and the juice represent his broken body and his spilled blood for you. Let's take communion together as we close our time. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.